You are listening to Nolympia on NetNet Radio. This program is hosted by Nolympics LA, a coalition of human rights organizations fighting against the 2028 Los Angeles Olympic bid and the evils of the Olympic Games. You can find us on social media at Nolympics LA and check out our website at nolympicsla.com to learn more. This week, we're going to discuss how the Olympic Project displaces and criminalizes unhoused residents of their host cities. Then, we'll hear an interview our coalition partner Ground Game LA had with Ayman Ahmed, an unhoused resident of Echo Park Lake, about his experience at the encampment sweep and the vibrant community residents built there. We're listening to the January 27, 2016 attempted eviction of Meiji Park in Tokyo. It's taken from a video of a line of security personnel standing in front of a fenced-off park. Behind their shoulders, two officers confront an organizer, blocking her from entering. There are people living here, she tells them. They respond, you can't go inside. Unhoused residents of Meiji Park and organizers were able to push out the JSC, who were given management of what used to be a public park to build a stadium for the 2020 Olympics. Two months later, in April of 2016, police overwhelmed the park, evicting unhoused Meiji Park residents and their allies, confiscating belongings, and generally terrorizing Tokyo residents just trying to live their lives. On the night of March 24, 2021, after a multi-hour face-off with Echo Park Lake residents and their allies, LAPD officers fenced unhoused residents inside the park. While Councilmember Mitchell Farrell claimed that every unhoused resident had been offered shelter through Project Room Key, this was untrue. Hello, hello. my name is Gustavo Otsoy. Uh, I was in the park, I didn't want to get out, but somehow like, they convinced me that, that they have rooms available, but once you come out, they don't. There's a, the hotel like all the way in Downey. That's the only one, the hotel that is taking people, but not around here, but once you are once, once you're inside the park, they tell you, hey, we have, we're, they have rooms like everywhere, but not actually. They, I went there, they, uh, they said that I have to wait. I am on the waiting list. So I'm, by now, I'm going to sleep on the street. I have nowhere to go. On the night of Thursday, March 25th, community members gathered for a peaceful vigil in front of Councilmember O'Farrell's office. Ultimately, the LAPD officers kettled and arrested many of them. The parallels between 2016's Meiji Park eviction and 2021's Echo Park Lake eviction in Los Angeles are impossible to ignore. Both were militarized gentrification projects undertaken by their city's governments to raise real estate prices by cleansing poverty therefore cleansing away people who live in poverty from the city. Both were done under the auspice of unnecessary construction projects. Neither had to end in violence, but both the LAPD and the Tokyo Police Department decided to escalate it to that point. Beyond the chain-link fences currently bearing anybody from enjoying the park stands the Queen of the Angels Fountain, erected in 1984 for that year's Olympics. While no Olympic events are scheduled to take place in Echo Park Lake for the upcoming Games, the eviction is an early step towards preparing Los Angeles to welcome wealthy tourists from all over the world. As we get closer to 2028, more of these encampment sweeps will take place, unless we fight back to stop them. What up, what up, y'all? How's everybody doing? Hey. Uh, hey. We are live. This is Knock at Night, uh, the Lola 
version. And we're going to be talking about Echo Park Lake, what's been happening over there from people who've actually been there. I haven't actually been there, but I'm just here to help facilitate a conversation between our two guests right now. John, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm John Motter. I'm an organizer at Ground Game LA, and I've been helping out when I can at the different uh, sweep actions over the past what year and a half now at uh, Echo Park Lake, where I met Iman like at the end of twenty, it's like late 2019, early 2020. That's 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 all that's relevant for this convo. All right. And Iman, let's a little bit about yourself, please. Uh my name's Iman. I'm a now displaced unhoused resident at Echo Park Lake or was. Um and uh that's about it. All right. So it's been like, yeah, it's been a few days, almost like a week now. Went down. How are y'all feeling since what went down? What's the vibe now? I mean, a, a little bummed, but yeah. still, like, I don't know, like, optimistic to continue organizing with everyone. Like, um, you know, we we met up once uh, Iman and David got out of jail, and they're not really deterred at all. So, you know, we're not we're not finished yet with this project. All right. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I sort of knew this day would come, you know, because once you realize that your existence is illegal just because you're outside, like, you know, this day will come. It's come before in different forms. You know, we've lost our stuff before, but we didn't expect it to happen this fast. Thought we still had the uh, protection from COVID for like two more months. And I didn't expect them to roll this deep. I mean, I've never felt so violated as a human being before than when I saw a small army before me, you know, enforcing the rule of law. I always thought I was free. I know in my heart I am, but like in reality, we're in a police state. And that's just been the most shocking reality to come to terms with. Yeah, man, I was just saying that, like I'm getting goosebumps because like a lot of folks are realizing like when it comes down to those like million dollar condos that are surrounding the park that are about to open up and this is how they enforce that property value. You know what I mean? And it's to see it bluntly happen right before your face is this disheartening. It's not from a history book. It's like happening right now. And to know folks that I know who've been traumatized on there, I can't even begin to even formulate my thoughts around it, you know? Yeah. I mean, like just the other day we had a vigil for the park, right? Uh, we all came with candles and we were silent. We walked around the park to mourn the loss of our public space and our public voice. And you know what we were met with? We were met with a police helicopter shining its light on us and we were met with a police drone. And that shit is like, all we were doing was peacefully assembling. Y'all won the lake, you took it, the fence is up. We were just peacefully assembling and they had drones watching us from afar. And well, up close, and then it went back to wherever the dude was, the police guy. And like, I don't know, man, but I just, it's very disheartening to know you're in a police state. And it's like, the answer to defeat it is everybody uniting, but so many have to work nine to five jobs. You can't be a revolutionary and work a nine to five job. You're trapped in the system. So it's like, this is the tough middle ground now. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. I feels you. Like, looking back on the lockdown, my industry, I work in Hollywood, and they shut down. So organizing is what I did 24-7. And started up a mutual aid down here in Long Beach, and it's still going. I would not be able to do that if I was working 9 to 5. That's the bottom line. And help start that out and contribute my labor to that. And now, again, yeah, like you said, like I'm at this middle ground where I try to hop in when I can. I work freelance. I just did like five out of six days. Like, how, mm. what kind of organizer am I if I'm doing that? I'm just like a capitalist making money at that point, which, you know, we're all slave to employment and paying rent and paying bills, but still. But like, when's that reckoning point? You know, I don't know. 
Yeah, it has to come soon, especially because, like, not only did Mitch send in an occupational force to enforce his will, he's also straight up lying about what Echo Park was. You got people who were not there all year talking about what the year looked like. It's what a weird position. Like, (laughs) you got the little city councilman, the mayor, the head of Urban Alchemy lying through their teeth. And now we're in this weird world where we have to be warriors and politicians and, and activists. And all we were were just an unhoused family trying to get along. You know what I mean? An unhoused um, group of strangers that through various means found each other at Echo Park and tried to just maintain community. And then now we're like at war with the entire city. Damn. Yeah. Thought 2020 couldn't get darker. This <laughs> state is like it's it's ramping up. It's ramping up. Were you all able to cover this at all on last week's show? Or was it I think it happened on Wednesday, maybe right after so the maybe show. Maybe we just do like a timeline yeah. and, and catch people up if if uh I don't know, like day to day. Um I think yeah. like we we first heard about it on like um Monday or Tuesday we got this announcement that they're going to come through and put the fencing up. It was pretty last minute. Um, but I mean, that's how these like sweep defensives go and just trying to get uh, an answer out of Mitch, uh, whether like he was actually planning on doing this um, or where folks were supposed to go or anything. Like couldn't even get a straight answer out of him as to like what the plans for the park were or if he was shutting the park down. Um, and then, yeah. then once I turned up, Wednesday night and it looked you know the community had turned out which was great but you know so had the cops like I I don't know I've never seen that many cops in like one spot I don't even know if during the uprising like they managed to like consolidate that many cops on like one small location um I don't know if Ivan you want to you want to talk about that stuff leading up to the that first night and the organizing that that night it was weird it all happened so fast I've never seen the city move so fast so like I remember a week before Wednesday, around that time frame, we were getting word he was putting up a fence. And at first I was like, nah, we have months. It's okay, guys. I remember David Bush, uh, he was taking it very seriously. And he was like, I'm going to do a hunger fast. And I was like, ah, it's too soon for that. The city won't do anything. Let's just grow the community. And then within days, we found out, well, it's real. So then we got together in preparation for it and then went over our uh, experience last year protesting for our right to exist. And we decided to do a rally in the hopes that the turnout would intimidate him and buy us some more time. So Wednesday morning, we hold a big protest rally and like the turnout was phenomenal. It was like 300 plus people from the community. It was really great. That was during the daytime. We had a lot of press. We held, we held a press conference on it. Mm-hmm. And the hopes was like, wow, all these people, you know, last year, that's what beat him. This year, he has no chance, you know. But then we found out that the cops were staging. Uh, me and my friend went around back to the basketball courts and found two cops just sitting there uh, watching the park. Someone else drove past, like, near Dodger Stadium and found 60 police cars with three uh, police trucks staging. And we were like, oh, shit, they're about to come heavy. So we scrambled to get people out, scrambled to get people out. And uh, originally the plan was for people to sleep the night. And we had over 75 people pledged they were going to stay the night. House folk pledged they were going to stay outside in the wind and the cold with us in the tent. Uh, but then the plans just changed real fast, real fast, real fast, because we were like, oh, shit, an army's coming after us. So then we thought it was like maybe six or seven and we were preparing for it and we thought, okay, there's no way they're gonna come before 10.30 because the park closes at 10.30. So we have a couple hours. Nope, they're coming in 10 minutes. What the fuck, for what? We're still within 10.30. We didn't even know what laws we were breaking. So then we were like, all right, they're coming. Who's willing to get arrested? 20, 20 or so people were like, we're willing to get arrested. All right, y'all form the circle. Everybody else form a circle around them of peace. So then the visual is that the police will have to go through the peaceful people sitting down and get to the peaceful people willing to get arrested. But even that plan changed real fast when they were like coming up uh, on Glendale. So then we cut off one side of Glendale and the other and we choked it. And then it was just this battle for like five hours. 
Yeah, so, this week's been such a blur. I, I forgot we did turn out in the morning. I forgot, like, yeah, we did. I barely, like, it was, slept it was that so week. Much. Yeah. yeah, and, like, that Wednesday, and this was my fault, uh, but it was a lesson learned that don't negotiate with the police, that they are inactive terror. They're terrorists. Don't negotiate with terrorists. Because it was, like, 1 o'clock at night, right? Well, before that, backtrack, uh, when it was getting real bad, probably around 10 or 11, I remember talking to one of the guys with the megaphones and he was like, all right, let's let the ones not willing to get arrested leave now. So they're not stuck. And like, just as we were about to get everybody out on the Santa Ynez Hill, cause the police had everything else choked. We found out they choked off Santa Ynez. So now everybody was trapped Wednesday, every, even the ones not willing to get arrested. So that plan just went out the window. Everybody was sort of just standing their ground. Uh, a couple more hours, a guy, Isaac broke his arm, shit was getting intense. And you know, no one really wanted to risk uh, people getting hurt or violence because at the end of the day, they got the guns. At the end of the day, they got the guns and the batons. We didn't have none of that. So we made a deal with Captain Lopez, who lied through his teeth, that uh, we would have from 10 that night until 10 the next night to clear out. So we were like, all right, that buys us a day. Let's, get, let's catch some sleep. It's been a long, hard day fought. Uh, you know, we had elderly in the park in the camp. Let's catch some sleep. So we were like, we won the day, we won the day. And I remember one of the more hardcore protesters saying, no, don't stop, don't stop. Let's go to the fence and stop them building the fence. And I was like, no, bro, listen, I'm a resident out here. We're tired, it's been all day, we won the day. So he took my word. It was a lesson that I had to learn, it was a mistake because within four hours overnight, they built the rest of the fence. Four hours. I never seen the city work so fast. We woke up in an open air prison Thursday, woke up trapped, like, what we thought, what I thought was they built that section of the fence on the other side. So it'd be a few more days for the rest got built so we could stop it. No, they built that shit in four hours. I never seen work so fast. And then Thursday was its own day. Wow. There was a narrative going on about like they needed to disperse some of the protesters because there was like blinding of cops going on. Some sort of like What's that about? I heard that in like like normie news. Yeah, so we you know we showed up for another vigil on Thursday and tried to get as like much turnout as we can, and we were gonna you know play it by ear, see see what we could do next, like depend on how many people showed up. But we we're just chilling outside Mitch's office on Sunset, which is you know no one was doing anything hostile or or weird, um, and. For a while, they like they mostly left us alone. Like they they had the the cops. You know, I, I swung by that morning to the park, and the cops had the entire park cordon off, like every entrance in. Mm -hmm. um, so they were on that like north side of Lemoyne behind us. There's a few cops, but then most of them were like further down on like Sunset, and then there's some down like blocking off the entrance to the park of Lemoyne. Um, and eventually they just like decided they're going to escalate. They, you know, that we had stood in the street for too long. Uh, even though there's like a whole debate over like use of public space, like who, who cares? Like we have a right to be there too, but whatever. So then what, one thing that was really weird that night is an ambulance comes through. So this is, I, I, I don't know. I have my timeline all, all off, but this is like after it got dark and we've been there for a while. So ambulance comes through down sunset. We all get out of the way, of course, to like get the ambulance through. And like right as the ambulance basically um, approaches us and we're moving out of the way for it, this uh, line of this like patrol of cop uh, squad cars comes blazing down sunset. So there's like eight squad cars with sirens blaring, hoping to like that the ambulance would like punch a hole like through our little formation on sunset and they could get in between us and kettle us even more. It's just like really gross how they would, I don't know if there was like coordination with the fire department or whatever, but a, at a bare minimum, they knew an ambulance was coming and decided to take advantage of that. And the fact that we would move for it to try and cut in and, uh, and kettle us more um, around that time too, um, down on Lemoyne, a group of cops, like, came through the alley uh, behind some of the, the folks who were there and uh, kettled a group of them. So they, they started like picking us off here and there and a group of people started getting arrested there. And then not too long after that, they started pushing, you know, another line started pushing up Lemoyne and then a, a huge group started pushing on sunset. And that's when, you know, my, 
myself and some other people were on, I was medicating. We were on Lemoyne and they had blocked us off um, from, from the rest of the, the group up on sunset and from the other smaller group further down in Lemoyne. And we thought that we were going to get kettled too, but we, we moved pretty quickly and shifted like the little barricade people had made over onto like the parking lot. So that people had like an escape route and for our little group there, they pretty much like let us be after that. Like folks just kind of like gave up and scattered. Um, and then we tried to find out like what happened to the people on sunset. And I guess like more people got kettled up there and arrested. And yeah, they ended up arresting uh, Kate and John with knock. They arrested, um, they at least detained um, uh, Lex with LA taco and the LA times guy. Um, I mean, not that, that's like any better or worse than like everyone else who had a right to be there, but it's just like, you know, help show like how, how much the LAPD just like doesn't give a fuck about anyone's, um, anyone's right to be there, whether they're participating in the action or not. Uh, and then, then, yeah, we had to go to jail support, like 180 people got arrested. Couldn't even figure out where people were getting taken. We went downtown and there were groups of people being taken to, uh, the central jail on Los Angeles street. Uh, but then we, we kept calling the jail to find out they wouldn't, they weren't like processing people. They're just like citing and releasing there. So we couldn't even find out who was where. And then we found out from someone else that they were like taking more protesters down to 77th and Broadway, which is like a good deals away from, you know, the downtown station. Um, so like, luckily there was a big group of people who just like showed up to do jail support. So like people were just driving down to the other jail to like pick people up there. But that's like, I don't know, just like, and not, not unusual of them at all um, to give you like misleading information or withhold information and, uh, and an attempt to just like, you know, fuck with the protesters, like even more to once they get released, like who, where do they, do they even know like where they're at? If their phone's dead, there's no buses running, like, and no one knows where they're at. They don't have any way to get home. I know, um when they arrested people like after that big blm action outside garcetti's house um during the summer uh the police were like trying to re-arrest people as soon as they arrested them so uh luckily like we went we picked up our people but that was just like that was a pretty crazy night just like such all the resources they put into that all the helicopters all the police officers you know they sent more cops down there to to arrest and beat people than they've ever sent like outreach workers or like people trying to house people like that's just absurd like what if what if they spent like a fraction of that on housing over the last year there wouldn't have never been an issue but yeah. it's never been about that with them like we've been asking mitch to come to the park and talk to us for over a year and instead he sent an army to kick us all out and that just shows like who he is you know, and now he's lying on the whole thing. Um, nobody was there outside of mutual aid support groups and God during the entire COVID pandemic. There was no Mitch. There was no Lasha. There was no Urban Alchemy. There was no attempt to put people in rooms. In fact, he tried everything he could to mess up our lives. He took away our street lights on the homeless side, took away water fountains on the homeless side told people to stop throwing away homeless trash. So during the pandemic, we were ignored and ghosted and petty like fucked with. And then it wasn't until the last three weeks was this hotel room for key even a thing. Wow. That's wild, man. Like I thought the narrative was like, they tried that. And obviously I know there was no like a good faith effort, but to say that just came in at the end and during the whole time, the city that you live in, one of the richest cities on the planet, right? California has mm -hmm. the seventh largest economy on the fucking planet. And this is one of the biggest cities in that economy to say that you got nothing to help folks, unhoused folks during a pandemic. Like, that's just a lie. That doesn't make sense. And then when it we comes down to it, well, they had money nothing. to throw 180 people in jail for the night, but no money for housing that night, apparently. And those like yeah. PRK rooms too are it's like that's basically like house arrest. That's like you're on probation when you're on Project Room Key. Um, 
those folks like you don't get your own room key you have to be like escorted to your room and, and that floor like has its own security guard they let you in and out you can't come out at night um, it's basically a minimal so, security prison yeah and then once your you know your vouchers up then what do you do you're just back out on the street it's not housing it's not a solution mm-hmm. um you know if you can't take your stuff in with you like where are you going to store it uh, so you come out with like nothing um these are like fake solutions that they come up with and then and then the idea that they they didn't like force people to accept these like they gave them an ultimatum that here's we're going to offer some of the ones the folks there who are eligible right for project room keys not everyone was even eligible for it but it's like you're either going to take this or if you stay here we're going to like detain you in this massive jail we've created um or throw you in jail like if you if you still stay so they're really like there wasn't any option. People were either forced to accept Project Room Key or they were arrested. Like I'm in And a lot of my unhoused neighbors and family have trauma from the LAPD. And that's a fact. So when they know that the city's coming, they leave, they scatter, or they take that ultimatum deal. Like part of our community weekly meetings, we had weekly meetings with each other in these tents. Okay. Uh, yeah, like at the best of it, it was over 30 of us showing up, all who lived in the tents in the park. And we were all just trying to live together. And like part of the reasons of the weekly meetings was a to garner community because community is a heart and mind thing. It's not a structure you build. Right. But also in preparation for this shit, like I knew in the back of my head from what we dealt with last year that they have made our lives illegal being poor and outside that I knew the law would come again. I knew they'd come again to tear everything down, but united we stand and divided we fall. They could not have tossed out 50 plus unhoused people in a tent, but down to the last 10, that last day, 10, you can, you know what I mean? 10, you can kick out and, you know, God bless my neighbors. Like they don't have to be warriors, but at the same time, you know, all the years and decades of the unhoused voice being silent, even if it is due to trauma, it has to end because you can't, you can't say nothing in silence. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, you know, my neighbors need to speak up. Yeah, like my neighbors need to speak up, but that's what Lasha and Urban Alchemy did. You know, they were a sales team. I remember doing door-to-door sales. They were a straight up sales team. They were doing your ABCs, always be closing. They were making sure they didn't get a no. You know, they were making sure people understood the ultimatum that you get this hotel or that Armageddon is coming your way. You know, the law is coming your way. Yo, and that's like, that's a code, but it's not really a code. You know what I mean? Because we see it. We see when the resources uh-huh. are spent and they're out there, there's no more code talking about ultimatum. You're going to get your ass whooped by the fucking LAPD. And that's what's going to happen yep. if you don't listen. And that's bottom line violence of the state. I, fuck, man. They couldn't get Yeah, I mean, they, they showed care. that on um, Wednesday night when they start beating people and, you know, firing rubber bullets at folks. And then, so, like, where does that leave you then if you're still there on Thursday? It's like, okay, so they're going to come through and, like, beat the crap out of me, or I can, like, take this offer, which is, like, a pretty shitty offer. It's, like, it's an insane threat of violence um, to comply with their demands. Yeah, like, we had something stable for a year, and that's what people don't get. Like, part of the issue of being outside is we lose the uh, simpleness. Like, for example, y'all in your homes, in your apartment, you don't got to worry about the government as long as you're not breaking the laws. Even when we're not breaking the laws, we have to worry about the government. But during COVID, it was just like, y'all, we didn't have to worry about nobody. We just got to live our lives. And I don't know, you know, like on that, we had a whole year of stability. And I remember like Panda, Panda was told he can go to the Nest Hotel on the last day in the open air prison. So it was basically shoving it down your throat. So Panda goes to the Nest Hotel. The Ness Hotel says they're full, can't accept nobody else. So they drive him 40 minutes away to Norwalk, away from everything he's known. The Norwalk Hotel is only for two weeks. How the fuck is two weeks a solution when we had a whole year of stability? Yeah, and I think it's also important to mention like, what, we, what y'all had there is like one of the most successful transitional housing models in the city. Like y'all were getting people house you were getting people clean the people who were like wanted to get help and they want to get back on your feet were getting that help there they're able to get you know all that um access to resources 
um, and connections like service providers and housing providers and stuff that like mutual aid and stuff could could do. Uh, and it was working, it was very successful. And it, and it was like com run completely independent of the city. This is like its own mutual aid project. This wasn't any, it was so it wasn't even like a drain on like city resources or anything. And they couldn't let that exist. So they had to come in and crush it. And that's bullshit. Like we didn't want nothing from the city. Keep your corruption, keep your money, keep your power. You know what I mean? Just let us be, you know, you want to, you want to keep us ignored because we're unhoused. You don't want to look at us. Then don't, don't look at us. We want nothing from you. And we had something going and, you know, everyone unhoused in like a three, three mile radius knew they can come to the kitchen and there'll be water and food. We had just finished the hot showers and we're going to get that bump in because in the richest city, in the richest state, um, for some reason, Mayor Garcetti decided to defund showers, but fund the police. Like during the middle of COVID, the shelter shut down. So we couldn't take showers at the shelter no more. And the care units were defunded. So like 24 of them, each one has four shower units. So you do the math. We're just sitting in a parking lot. And we only had one at the worst of it come one day out the week. One day out the week. Bro, since I've been homeless, I've been hygienic. You know, before COVID, I had a gym membership. So I never was without my showers and hygiene. COVID took that away, and then the mayor took that away, and then we built our showers, and then Mitch took away the water fountains for our showers. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we had a neighbor, Amanda, that's that mutual aid community support that let us use her spigot. And just when these hot water showers were finished and people were getting the word spread and taking showers, they come and tear it down. And Mitch, are you going to replace those daily showers for folks? Are you going to provide daily hot water showers for folks? Now that you tore those down, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Seems like the measures are punitive. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's only one way to look at it. It's not like my analysis of the situation. It's just like seeing how the actors and the people in power are playing out and the violence that they're bringing. I, 400 yeah. LAPD officers came to a community filled with old women and men and everyone just trying to love each other. From San Pedro. There were cops from what? San Pedro in Long Beach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, it was unsafe in San Pedro because they had to go do something in Echo Park. Like, what's going on? Like, that don't make sense. It, like, the way they're policing, quote-unquote policing, that shit just doesn't add up if you need cops from that far away to handle your business. No, you see, the only thing the LAPD and the police force is unified on is their violence. Because in terms of why they're there, they're like confused lab rats. None of, no one officer knew why the other officer was there. We were asking each one, they were telling a different thing. Everyone was confused. When it came time to militarize and get violent, all them boys were on cue. Just like that. It just like highlights how incompetent the city is. Like, like Mitch and all the NIMBYs and stuff just like made a such a big deal about how the park was like being taken over by unhoused people. And there's like, there's at any given time, there's 60,000 people homeless in Los Angeles, you know, uh, over a hundred thousand people who experience it every year. There's like a tiny fraction of that at Echo Park Lake that, you know, we're trying to help. What was it like, a, you know, between a hundred, 150 folks. So the city couldn't even figure out how to house 100 people. Like, you don't, you don't even got to like fix this. We're not even necessarily asking to fix solve homelessness outright and house like all 60,000 people, which is also what they should be doing. But they couldn't even figure out like, how do we house these hundred people? They couldn't do it. And instead well, it was just like. It's actually even worse than that because Mitch and his political uh, reasons for doing what he did, he prioritized the part. So homeless folk around the part, they didn't get a hotel room for key offered to them. A lot of them could have mm -hmm. used it way more than us. He prioritized specifically with his sales team, Lasha and Urban Alchemy, the park and the park alone. Get everyone in the park gone. And I'm telling you, if you were there, it was sales. If they didn't get him the first day, they'd come that next day and plant whatever seeds they had to, to get them to say yes. It was sales. And the problem um, like, still has... been solved like nothing's been changed to make that no, nothing's everyone's they'll all be out and the hotels need to make money again you know they're not gonna one of the one of the urban alchemy guys when when i told them that hey bro you know this is bullshit you know everybody's gonna be out in three to six months 
He's like, that's not true. It could go on all year. I'm like, all right, what happens after that year? He's like, it can go on the next year and the next. Bullshit. You think four-star hotels are going to go on for years? For the Get out of my face, bro. We all know this is going to end. <laughs> uh, who is Urban Alchemy? I've never heard of him before. They're... I don't they're know. They're a nonprofit from the Bay. I'm pretty sure. I haven't worked with them before. Yeah, no, they're just like uh, they hire like cons or ex cons or something to work, so that way they like connect with the unhoused thing. But they're snakes, bro. They were acting like our friends for weeks, and they knew exactly what they did. And they're 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 helping corroborate Mitch's lies now. Gotcha. Like Mitch, Urban Alchemy, and the mayor are like in this trifecta of lying on what we were all year. And they don't get to speak about what we were because they weren't there. They don't get to speak about our love or how it looked because they weren't there. You know what I mean? Like straight up, love, when it's, when it's in its truest form, comes off chaotic to people who usually spend time alone in their mansions. Because when you have all these different personalities from all these different walks of life, love is colorful. We fight today, but we love tomorrow. So nobody gets to speak on that except the people that were there. No doubt. No doubt. And that concept of love and radical love to be in a community is a sign of a healthy community, right? Is a sign of a strong community. Because we were communicating with each other, you know? Exactly. exactly. Like you were saying, you're having like weekly meetings. I can't remember the last time I had a weekly meetings with my neighbors. Like when <laughs> COVID hit off, yo, I'm a fucking activist. So straight up. I printed out the sheet. I had my name, my email. I'm like, yo, rent strike. Let's organize. Fuck the system. Hit me up. We're going to start meetings. We got things going. Guess how many people call me back? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody call me back because they ain't about it. You know what I mean? And they ain't even about to talk about our circumstances together. To even come up, to even have that thought in their head just to think as a group because we live so close to each other and the person like we're paying rent to is now enforcing rent during the time when some of us aren't working. I know my neighbor wasn't working, but you don't want to sit down and have a meeting about well, how we're going to pay rent. That's wild to me. And then we're a community because we got, we could pay rent and live indoors. Like that shit don't make sense, man. Yeah. It's a heart and mind thing. It's not a structural thing. And they separated us, you know, we're spread all over the, all, all over town now, like ground games done real great work at putting uh, the displaced folks at echo the last like 12 into motels but there's some of us that are still outdoors and we don't know where they're at. Like Brenda, haven't heard from her. Susie, she's right back under the bridge underpass. So like, you know, I don't know. Brian, he's just riding his bike around aimlessly. He's got nowhere to go. Jerome, he's wandering the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, like this has been an ongoing problem with like the sweeps. Like every time you're trying to like organize with an encampment, um just like how much damage a sweep does to that or just like people just like disappear you'll be building a relationship with someone for like weeks or months and all of a sudden they're just gone and if like their phone got taken um or thrown away you don't have any way to get in touch with them anymore they might get a new phone but they don't have your number anymore um mm -hmm. so so like as long as i've been doing this like i've i've definitely met like lots of cool people and lots of like people i was like hoping to you know hoping they would become organizers and would help us like fight, but they just, they get scattered to the wind so easily. And so like, this was like such a unique thing, what we had here, being able to maintain that community and stop people from getting cast aside and pushed out. Um, and it was, and, you know, it was working and, you know, we had a lot of people, like, I don't know if you've done organizing before this, Ivan, but then Ivan just turns into like this great organizer and people like Devon, um, becoming like really good advocates and speaking up and helping organize the encampment and getting other people to stand up for themselves too, which is like a really unique thing. And, you know, just like, just like a shame, such a shame that, I mean, it's, it's we're so not hard. done yet. We're going to find people again. But. No doubt. No doubt. We're going to fight, but it's just so heartbreaking because now I'm, I'm in a motel now, but I'm on the Hollywood side and I'm walking around. Thank God I found Mason. You know, we found him at the bus stop. So we were able to get him in a hotel too. But, um, and none of us have like, what you see with me is everything I own, you know, same thing with a lot of them, like Mason, everything he owns, Lance too. And like the heartbreaking thing that I'm like, that I realize is like, 
the city is so dead of life and communication. It's so Babylon in nature, no other word for it. Like right. nobody sees each other in, in the inner city. Even the homeless, they're not seeing each other. Everybody's sort of walking like zombies. And what we had at Echo Park was a spot where like 50, 60 people saw each other every day. Like, I don't know about you, but it got to a point where just to go to the bathroom would take 20 minutes because I'm saying hi to every tent and we're all saying hi to each other. Like, even when the world didn't see us, we all saw each other every day. And that does a lot for the psyche. That is a lot for a person's mental. When they when they get to have stability, they have a home, they have a shower, they got people they know and have in, and, and they can have intelligent conversations with. Because the problem with Lasha Urban Alchemy and these housing programs is they speak to you like you're an unintelligent child in a patronizing way, that you're the homeless one and they're the one saving you type uh, demeanor. But at least with us, we got to speak to each other with intelligence that we have. You know what I mean? And we just got to enjoy each other's actual existence without the sob story narrative or none of that bullshit. And we just got to enjoy each other. And now that's gone. And you scatter that to the wind. And it's just heartbreaking. Like, I've been trying to wrap my head around, like, why such the intense police presence? And 400 plus officers. It could be like, yo, that sense of community. I mean, this was a working example of the system not giving a fuck, but these folks coming together and with the help of the community rising up and doing something, and that's the threat. Like that's even print a t-shirt. You know what I mean? like, that's threat. Exactly. That sense of community with those folks can't be seen when you're selling a million dollar condo. It's like, well, that's more valuable than that million dollar condo. That's obvious. And maybe that's why. They're just like, yo, that radical love cannot stand when we're trying to make all this money. And we got to bring the cops to really show them. It's like, what you're doing here is just as dangerous, if not more, than people protesting for black lives. Showing community like that, it's like, yo, that scares them, man. Obviously, it scares them, you know? Fucking wild, dude. But that should excite us because now we know their weakness. And it's just unfortunate because time is so powerful in what it does that it makes people forget and turn apathetic as the days turn into weeks and months. And if we could find a way to sustain a flame of righteous anger in people's hearts, then they won't be able to stop us. Because look at what just a couple hundred people showing up did. It, it was an occupational force in L.A., Okay, they can't sustain that shit. Once every few months, once every few months, it could be forgotten about, media change, their lawyers, whatever. They could do a lie campaign. But what if they had that occupational force out the next day because we showed up in numbers again? And what if they did it the third day because we showed up in numbers again? Then the fourth, fifth, and sixth. They cannot sustain their public relations, their international relations. The president's going to call the mayor and go, what the fuck have you turned L.A. into? Like, the people united just consistently a little bit you know, real change can come from that. But that's a difficult part is how do we get it going beyond big events or just a few days? Because my life is entirely illegal right now. Like I'm up at this motel for a few more days. There's ground game pays for it. But when we're back outside, there's no more Echo Park community for us to go to. We're back on the street. We're back to the police every week telling us to leave. We're back to a transient nature. And that fucking sucks. So the next steps, next steps, like I've this since the uprisings, this has been on my mind, how to like, obviously folks care and were willing to get beat in the street last summer, standing up for black lives against what that stood for, what the state and the state violence at the hands of cops stood for. Right. And to stand against that. Well, this act of violence by the state, is to enforce something else. And that property values, the park, whatever you want to call it, they chose these folks not, they deemed them not human, good enough to be pushed aside. The same way black folks, good enough to be pushed aside. Like 
I don't see this bridge coming together between the folks standing up for black lives and standing up for in-house folks. Like, I don't see it. I don't know where that type of organizing is going on on a mass scale, because the only reason I say a mass scale, because I saw it last summer on a mass scale. Just a question, a statement. I don't know. But like that spark. I mean, yeah, I mean, we do a lot in ground game to, you know, build solidarity and, and highlight like the intersectionality of all these issues, like especially here in L.A., like like folks should realize that, you know, homelessness, uh, it is like a racial justice issue. I mean, when you have 40 percent of the unhoused population is black um, and only nine percent of the overall population in L.A. is black. Like, why do you think black people are becoming unhoused? Um, it's because like it's because for all the other systemic issues that black people face. And then once they're on the street, they're facing that state violence every single day from cops. It's every day that they're, they're being harassed or being harassed. Their shit's being seized, destroyed. Uh, they're being killed like Charlie Africa. Uh, so like, this is very much like, if you want to like stand up for black lives, you believe in that, like this, that, police violence is happening like every single day against like unhoused black people. And today is also the trans day of visibility. This is also a, a queer liberation issue when you have LA's like LA's a capital of uh, unhoused queer people and unhoused trans people and especially young trans people. I think something like one in seven um, unhoused trans people are from or living in LA and they're from LA. Um, so you, when you have like other states cracking down on trans bands and going after trans kids and shit and a lot of them like do end up in LA because they think they're going to have some they're going to have access to resources which to some degree uh, there are places like the center and stuff that provide stuff like that uh, mm -hmm. but then you have folks like Eric Garcetti tweeting out like yeah like trans rights yay let's go while he's like literally arresting people and citing them and throwing them in jail um, and they're also like unhoused because of their identity uh, <laughs> So like the same with when it comes to immigration, we have like undocumented people living out on the streets. It's like all the same people uh, being oppressed in society, all those other identities that you know we, we have all these other uh, organizations and marches and everything else for. Those are all the people who are like overrepresented in the unhoused population and the most, you know, the most brutalized by the police. I've been thinking and I was just thinking of it recently too, like today, um, like you're right, how do we unite these different groups, uh, each with their own names and whatnot, and like, you know, and what they want, like Black Lives Matter and Ground Game and a tenant union. And at the end of the day, none of these groups have a voice. So that's how we unite them, I was thinking, because first, before any group gets whatever it wants, whether the unhoused, organizations or the Black Lives Matter, they need to have a voice first. And there's only two ways you can speak to a politician. That's either with money or unified public will. So we don't have the same money these landlords or these bankers or these corporations have. So that's not how we can communicate with Mitchell Ferrer or Mayor Garcetti. So before we even do anything, before we even ask for anything, before we protest for anything, we need to first gain our voice. They're not listening to us when we're divided and scattered, when there's one protest here, then another protest there and another one there. They're not listening to us. Our voice is getting lost in the wind. But if we're unified for the sake of gaining back our voice, that's that first step. That's that first step. And I think that's something every organization out here can get behind because right now you're not being heard and you know it. And that's because divided y'all lack the numbers, but together, Forget unhoused, forget housed, forget labels of all kind, and just focus on the public voice itself, which we don't currently have. That's that first step. We need to gain our voice. But then politicians are listening to money talk, and then now they're listening to us talk. Right now, they're not listening to us talk because we're not unified. They're not listening. Like, that's, yeah, that's apparent. Um, we've been on for like 45 minutes, about to wrap it up soon unless y'all want to keep going, but I think this was very, like, I got informed a lot on exactly what was going on down there. I'm good. I can't hold my phone for too much longer. <laughs>
Uh, any last thoughts y'all want to say? And Eamon, again, like, we'll get you back on, man, like, to speak on this. And, like, to hear that like, you just started organizing is, like, I'll follow. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could organize. I ain't even organizing, though. I'm just, I'm still just unhoused, chilling, you know? But, no, hey. doubt. no doubt. You got it in yeah. you, brother. Definitely. Definitely. I, I do want to say thank y'all, though, for, uh, for the attention you do give the unhoused, because... Uh, a lot of my neighbors, a lot of my family out there, for whatever reason, years of trauma, they're just not speaking up for themselves. So thank y'all for, for giving them a voice, you know? No doubt. We do what we can, man. Yeah, that's what we're here for. For sure. Um, I don't know. Like, folks listening, just, like, keep staying tuned. I guess, like, follow all the social media accounts uh, to try and stay up with like what the next steps are, what the next campaign or what the, the news is, especially like if you can get your news from like knock or, you know, in a individual journalist covering this, who got like a good take, not like the Hollywood reporter, but, uh, and then, yeah, we'll just like, if you want to get involved, if you want to help, you know, there'll, there'll be updates there. Uh, but right now, yeah, we're just like, trying to like you know dispel a lot of the lies and and stuff that's going around on social media and a lot of the claims that you know right now like allegedly we threatened mitchell farrell and that's why he's saying um all the police were there so i'm not really oh, sure yeah what, i heard that, that today from somebody <laughs> wow yeah. just fucking like lies man just straight up lies yeah lies. I, I heard I, I heard on the Hollywood Reporter he was saying that y'all like like in a schoolyard y'all threatened him to fight like you were saying come outside. And yeah, fight. he said like they were coming to fight me or something. It's like, dude, you're never even in your district. Like I've never seen him like out in his district. If I wanted to fight Mitchell Farrell, why would I go to Echo Park? I've never seen him there. <laughs> the last place to fight. <laughs> Thank y'all very very much. This was much appreciated, and we should do this again. Like, this is a low lift. Anytime, Mater, you want to get on, we could do this again, all right? Yeah, thanks, Vic. Thanks, Simon. Cool. Later, y'all. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're going to ride out on some music, starting with The Ballad of Mitch O'Farrell by Adam Smith. Looking toward our future, Mitch, and you're living in the past. 